So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why, just know that the big one has hit, okay? So what do we do? There are three important steps that I want you to remember. Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Step two, stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. All right, you've got this. thought that was a joke. It was actually a public service announcement that New York City put out two weeks ago. And uh, for reals, that was their uh, idea. And I, there were many things about the public service announcement that I loved. Uh, one was, uh, <laughs> wait, wait for your officials to tell you what to do. That is just awesome. Ted Cruz will be on a private jet to Bolivia with his family, and Nancy Pelosi will have stuffed uh, ice cream into her freezer and preparing for the apocalypse. So uh, this is a new series called uh, the zombie, How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse. Uh, I know for some of you, you might feel like, hey, are you kind of making fun of the end times or taking it too lightly? I assure you I'm not, and I assure you that I do not believe in zombies, uh, except in Congress. And... Um, and so, uh, but the point is, and what the point that this uh, commercial, this service announcement shows, is that um, there is a lot of talk about the end of the world. And depending on which circles you run in, it could come in a lot of different forms. Um, it can come, uh, maybe you think climate change is going to be the end of the world and rising sea levels and everything's wiped out or whatever. Maybe you think it, in fact, is nu nuclear war. Maybe you think it's the pandemic. We are missing a ton of people this morning who just reached out to me and said, I'm sick, right? They got the, whatever the latest version of COVID is or what have you. And, uh, and so, you, you know, we're still in that, that, man, what is going on? And then our world is so polarized right now. You can kind of begin to see some of the things. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time because I can make fun of New York City all day. I, I actually can. But um, I, I can, I mean, like one of the favorite things is uh, she says, keep radioactive dust away from your body. Wow, I would have slathered it all over me thinking that it was good for my skin. Like, thank you very much. That was really great. So, so we can make fun of them. But you know what? The church is no different. The church is no different. Okay, so I'll give you a little story about myself. Um, my dad and mom came to Christ later in life. So my dad worked on Wall Street. 
for a bunch of different reasons. We kind of lost everything, and, but he came to Christ, and uh, he was called into becoming a pastor, which he uh, told me very clearly, do not become a pastor. So whatever. Anyway, so uh, he became a pastor. We moved to California so he could go to Fuller uh, Seminary. There you go. And, uh, and become a, a pastor. And so uh, during that time, it was, it was, we, we moved to California in 78. And then, and then the Cold War was like really big, right, at that time. And so was the 700 Club. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember the 700 Club. Maybe it's still on. I don't know. Pat Robertson. Uh, and uh, TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, Paul and Jan Crouch. So if you came into our house at any given time, you were the 700 Club was on or uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network. And they were talking about the end times and Revelation all the time. As a matter of fact, I still remember, I was about 13 years old, on the screen was... Um, a graphic, and it had Russia's nuclear warheads. Maybe you, I don't know if, I'm, if you guys think I'm crazy or not. And then the America's nuclear warheads. And our nuclear warheads were like half. So we were supposed to, I guess, pray that we could get more nuclear warheads. I don't know what the theological point of that was, to be frightened or whatever. But at that point, Russia was Gog or Magog. I can't figure out which one it was, but that was the end times. And there was a guy named Hal Lindsey at that time. You might remember him. You might not remember him. He wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. If you notice the graphic here, it says over 15 million copies sold. It was a big deal. There was a Late Great Planet Earth movie. I don't know if there were action figures. I can't remember. Um, but uh, one would be tossed up in the air, and you'd never see it. No, I, anyway, um, and so um, that, was, that was it, Hal Lindsey. Now, he's been married. He's on his fourth marriage. So uh, he might be able to predict the future, but not his. So uh, four, four marriages. So that's Christians. We get involved in this too. And it's oftentimes filled with fear and questions. And we spend a lot of time trying to figure out all the different symbolism of Revelation. And uh, Daniel has some uh, prophecies about the end times that are really scary and seem to be clear at times and seem to not be clear at times. And Jesus talks about the end times. He talks about himself coming back. He talks about if you're pregnant at that time, you just get out of here. It's just going to be difficult. If you think people filming you on your way to church is difficult, <laughs> the end times talks about stuff that you'd, you'd wish for that, right? You'd, you'd wish for that. And so uh, we're going to be starting a series called uh, How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse or Climate Change or the End Times or Jesus' Return or, or all of this stuff. But here's what I'm going to warn you of in the beginning. I talk out of both sides of my mouth on this, okay? On the one hand, I've gone through so many of these like, I don't know if you remember or you were part of the church during Y2K, but churches split over prepping for Y2K, all right? I mean, people, Christians, and, and, and again, if this is you, that's okay. It's okay. I understand. But Christians, like, hoarded all sorts of stuff and, 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 and set stuff aside, and, and, and they had gallons of water in their garage, and I am not shaming you if you did that. I understand. But you also have to understand that the people around you that saw you go through that probably don't want you talking about the end times now, 
okay? You had your shot, okay? Uh, you, you lost the privilege, okay? So I, I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying this, these are the things that have happened over human's history. So on one side of my mouth, I go, look, this just seems to be rinse and repeat in human history, okay? So that's the one side of my mouth. On the other side of my mouth, he could totally come tomorrow, like, like what you see with technology and all the things. I just read Revelation again this week and um, uh, read it. it. Definitely, it's in the Bible for a reason. But man, there's some wacky stuff in there. I did see, uh, I read again about the locusts coming because NPR had, a, had a, um, an article and the, the, the title of the article was Locusts Hit uh, Africa in uh, biblical proportions, right? And so I was like, oh, biblical, that's my lane. And so uh, I, I was interested in that. But like, these are the things that are coming. And so I was thinking about locusts and John in Revelation, and I thought, oh, the locusts have stingers, and they can sting you, and then you get like some wacky disease. Read your Bible, you guys. It's fantastic. And, and I thought those could be drone swarms, you know, we have all these drones and these little drones, they go up and they do facial recognition and they shoot you with it. Okay. Uh, anyway, so that could be there. We could have a mark of the beast. No problem. Now, technologically, I mean, we can't get our printers to work, but we could potentially have something like that. We could have a world currency, like crypto or something like that without the crash, but we could have it all. You can be tracked, you can be filmed, you can be all these things. It's all there. Jesus could come tomorrow on the one hand, and on the other hand, this could just be another rinse and repeat. Well, this morning, we're going to get into the Bible a little bit, and we're going to talk about, uh, uh, this is just the introduction. And we're going to look at some things out of First and Second Peter, because Peter talked about the end times. Uh, he talked about the end of the world, if you will and uh, gives us some practical things to do. And so that's why it's called How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse or the End of the World. What is it that we're actually required to do? Uh, and I'll give you a little hint. Uh, one of the things is not to be fearful, <laughs> okay? So that, I won't teach you how to be fearful about the end times. They're coming. There's nothing you can do about it. Jesus is coming back. And so uh, whether you're ready or not, that's up to you. But here's what we're going to look at in 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is near. Peter just comes right out and says it. Now you have to understand Peter's context too, because in a lot of ways it was very similar to what we're going through now, or at least from our perspective it could be similar. Nero was uh, the emperor at that time. And uh, there was mass persecution. They were lighting Christians on fire for Nero's garden. Um, people were being dragged out of their homes. Uh, it wasn't a great time to be a Christian at, at that point. There was cultural issues that had come up. It was very uh, bizarre. There was lots of affluence, and yet the government was still super weird and jacked up. And uh, so there was a lot of kind of similarities. And then Peter ends up in prison as well. We'll see this in his second letter. So we're going to jump around a little bit between 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And then in the coming weeks, we'll start tightening everything up. As to, like, what are the things we're supposed to do? 
And so uh, he says, the end of all things is near. Okay, so Peter is saying, you guys, at least for that church in that time, don't be alarmed. He, he goes on later to says, um, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal among you as if some strange thing is happening to you. In other words, don't, don't be frightened by persecution. Don't be frightened by cultural change. Don't worry about those things. The end of all things is near. And I'll show a little bit why that's applicable today. So he goes in, uh, he, he writes first Peter, he starts with this, the end is, uh, of all things is near, kind of ends, ends his letter with that. And then he talks a little bit about how to prepare and what to do during these end times, which we'll explain uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, and then he writes a second letter to first Peter, which we call... Second Peter, because we're not very creative at all. Um, and so we write, he writes this letter, second, second Peter, and he riffs off of what he said in First Peter. In other words, he's like, look, I know I wrote you a letter, and I said the end of all things is near. And some of you have been saying, like Pastor John, uh, isn't this kind of like Y2K? Isn't this kind of like the Cold War back in the 80s? Isn't this kind of like... Now, Peter calls them scoffers. I, I would not like to be referred to as a scoffer, but I can understand that tension, and maybe you can too, of feeling like, yeah, I, mean, I could see the end times coming, but isn't this just kind of the same thing going on and on? So what Peter does is he starts describing his culture around him. And you'll see a lot of things in here. And if you're watching online, uh, maybe you just shot over from a YouTube video or whatever, you could see all this stuff happening within our culture. A lot of it is, uh, you could just pin it on social media if you'd like. Um, but it says this, these people are springs without water. In other words, the influencers, those who have voices in our culture, oftentimes present themselves as one thing. But then as you begin to dig a little deeper, you realize, oh, that's not actually who I want to be following. There are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. In other words, time is coming, and as time moves, there's this mist of things in front of time that just kind of stirs up as it goes along. That's what these people are. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty Boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. In other words, here are some people like you and I, we're struggling through life, we're trying to get it figured out, and then Jesus is the answer to all those things, but then someone just kind of gets taken away into something else. And these people boast about it, and they're very confident about it. And Jesus doesn't really sound, that's kind of old-fashioned, doesn't sound quite right. And so Peter's talking about this thing. And you can imagine in Peter's time, you were either for Christians or you were really against them because your government was really against them. Watch what he says. They promise them freedom. In other words, this idea you can do what you want, when you want, it's all about you, it's all about the individual, while they themselves are slaves to depravity. 
I can give you, I'm not going to do it now, but I can give you example over example over example over example of how that is true in our culture today. I would even go so far as to say this kind of describes America, okay? While they themselves are slaves to depravity, for people, this is, he's quoting now a famous uh, quotation in his time, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Amen. Is that not true? People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If you can't get off of social media, guess what? You're a slave to social media. It's mastered you. If you can't get away from that substance, if you can't get through the day without that substance, guess what? You're a slave to that substance. If you can't get out of that relationship because you're afraid of being single your whole life and it's not the greatest thing, but like, guess what? You're a slave to that relationship. Peter is just saying, guys, he's beginning to point. There's only one way to fix this. He doesn't say it right here, but from my experience and what I see in the Bible, it's through our relationship with Jesus. And so he says, for people are slaves, whatever mastered them. So we'll, we'll jump. He kind of talks about that for quite a bit. Then we'll jump to chapter 3. And, uh, and then here's what he says. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Okay, now, in every time in human history, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, all these different things where the Christian community has kind of thought to themselves, and rightly so, hey, is this it? Like, is this it? So for every one of us, or maybe every one of anyone who's thinking, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're just looking at the world and going, can we be this polarized? Like, what in the world? This might be the end of the world. And with every part of that, there's scoffing. Ah, everything will be fine. We got it all figured out. Humans have it all figured out. Like, we already know what to do in case of a nuclear blast. I just saw a commercial. I know exactly what to do. Now, a nuclear blast is about one to two million degrees. So, Get some ice cubes. Uh, that would be number four in that video. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? Right? This is a big part of the theology of being a follower of Jesus. Did you know that? So the theology of following Jesus is this. We're broken. Right? We're all broken. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out, right? We're all broken. And that there needs to be some way to fix this sin nature that we have. Well, Jesus died for that sin nature. We pro you probably know that whole part of our theology. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And when he rose again, he conquered sin and death. So that we become new creatures in Christ, and we live according to that lens and that context. And so, but the other part of our theology is that he's coming again, that Jesus will return, and that all of us, every single one of us, even pastors, probably especially pastors, because it says in the Bible, this is so lame, it says uh, that we're like double judged. That's, that's so uncool. Anyway, uh, it's in the Bible, so I believe it. So, so that, that's the thing. He comes back. And so the scoffers are saying, oh, is he coming back, really? Now imagine, this is Peter talking. That was just 35 years from when Jesus died that he wrote this about, about, we don't know for sure. 
35 years. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And they would be correct. That's the one side of the tension I manage in my life. But they are deliberately, they, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. So what he's talking about is creation. Now here's what I really like about Peter in this, in this situation. He goes back to the beginning. And for any one of us who've been around for any length of time, and maybe you've never experienced this tension, and for you, you read the Bible, it's seven days, it said it in the Bible, it was seven days, and I applaud you, I am not coming down on you for that. But when you read the account of, of, of creation, it kind of gets messy, and then what we know now, and then kind of looking at the historical record and all these different things, we think, oh man, that. It, it's not buttoned up real nice, okay? And so P Peter goes back to that, and he's basically saying, just as that is kind of odd because God was in control then, right, and we weren't, the end times is going to be like that. God is in control, and we're not, and we don't like that. We do not like to be in control. Okay, so he says they don't realize or they deliberately forget that God created the earth and he can end it. If you grew up in my generation, the way Peter is writing, God brought you into this world and he can take you out. Okay, for any of you who had parents that told you that, uh, that, that, that was uh, my experience, okay? God brought you into this world, he could take you out. This is what Peter's saying. For by these waters... Also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. He's talking about the flood. Okay, so he's, here's, here's the things he's establishing. God created the world. Maybe you understand how, maybe you don't. doesn't matter. And God's going to end the world. Maybe you understand, maybe you don't. And that there is judgment. There is a reconciling. There is a time when we give an account. As a matter of fact, throughout Revelation, if you care to read it, it doesn't take very long. It talks about you will give an account for the deeds done. Not just for whether or not you know Jesus, but for your deeds, okay? Uh, and he goes on. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. This is just kind of the, the ending of everything. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Again, there is a judgment. Okay, now here we go. Ready? But do not forget this one thing, and this is the thing we're going to focus on this morning, because it kind of removes us from the picture, unfortunately. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. He can slow everything down. If you think you can't get through today, he can slow it down, help you through that day. We've got nothing but time, okay? And... Conversely, a thousand years are like a day. So we just went through, well, we went through 2020. We made it through 2020, and we thought everything was going to be okay. And then 2021 hit, right? And then that was all jacked up just as much as 2020 was. But let's just pick 2020 and talk about the end times economy. In 2020, some of us thought we'd never get through it. Right? Remember when we were, remember when they were hoarding toilet paper? You remember that? Those were humans doing that. 
For some reason, toilet paper seemed to be the thing. Maybe that should be on a public service announcement when the nuclear bomb hits. Don't hoard toilet paper. Some of you might have rolls and rolls of it in your garage right now. I don't know. So we thought we'd never get through 2020, right? Here's in God's economy 2020. 2020 lasted 86.4 seconds. If, in fact, a day is like a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years is like a day. 2020, one year, was 86.4 seconds long to God. So while we were thinking, we'll never get through it, what are we going to do? Should I get vaccinated? Should I not get vaccinated? Is it six feet? Is it three feet? Is it eight feet? What, do I go outside? Do I do this? While we're going through all that, the Lord's like, yeah, 20 more seconds. <laughs> right? He's not concerned. Well, he's concerned. But he's not freaking out. He's not like, oh, my goodness, a pandemic. He's not going, was it from a wet market or was it from a lab? He's like, eh. 15 seconds left. Now, you say, John, what does this mean for me? Here's exactly what it means for you. I know some of you will live past 80, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just using 80 as a standard, okay? Some of you are already, you've already beat that. I get it. But if you live 80 years, you will be alive for 1.29 hours in God's economy. <laughs> that is your life, 80 years. Now, again, I'm not taking the thousand years in one day literally. All Peter's trying to do is get us to this perspective. You have an hour, almost two hours of life in your lifetime as far as God is concerned. Now, in that two hours, what do you think he's most concerned about? Think about that for your own life. Two hours. So let's say the nuclear bomb does hit in New York City, and we live in uh, Ohio, and so there's nuclear fallout. We're waiting for it to hit us or whatever. I don't know how nuclear bombs work. I just know that in the 80s, Russia had twice as many as we did because uh, I saw a graphic. Anyway, uh, so it's coming, and they tell you, you've got two hours to live. <laughs> That's it. What, what are you going to do with your life? I'm going to binge watch Tiger King. Pro probably not. Probably not. I'm going to do a TikTok video uh, with the mushroom cloud in the background. You know, I'm going to do a little dance and everybody will go viral. Nah, probably, probably not. I'm going to spend a bunch of money and then tomorrow I'll get it on Amazon. Mm, you'll be dead by then. Two hours. This is the perspective Peter wants you to have with your own life. Now, some of you have already done the math. You're like, I think I only have 45 minutes left because <laughs> you're not zero. See what I'm, okay. I've figured it out and I have about, I figure if I just stay healthy, 40 minutes left of life in God's economy. But watch what he says after this. This isn't just your life is nothing. Now the Bible does say that. It says you're a vapor and a flower that's here one day and gone the next. It does say that. But here's what he says. This is so important to understand as we look at the end of the world. The Lord is not slow. Just because it's taken 2,000 years so far, that doesn't mean he's slow. As, as some understand slowness. We think 2,000 years, let's go, Jesus, let's go. What are you waiting for, right? 
The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient. Why? Because he wants you to have a personal relationship with Jesus. He's waiting. He could have come during Peter's time. He could have stopped it then. He could have just said, oh, yeah, Nero, he's creepy, and it's done. But he chose not to. He could have come in the 1500s. He could have come during the bubonic plague. He could have come during World War I or II or maybe three's coming. I, I don't know. But he's not slow because he doesn't know what's going on or he's just dragging his feet. He's patient with you and I because he really cares about that 1.92 hours of your life and what you do with it. And it's not to be lived in fear. It's not to be lived in, I got to just make this happen. I got to make my career happen. I got to make my career happen. Oh man, I got to make sure I get that promotion. I got to make sure I get married. I got to make sure we have kids. I got to make sure I get a house. Oh my goodness, the economy, and they just raised interest rates, and millennials will never be able to buy a house. I get it. It's hard for millennials. Trust me. I know. That's not why he's patient. So you can finally get into your first house. Or see your grandkids for the first time. Although I will say this. It's worth waiting for. Especially with my granddaughter. Okay. Yeah. Fraser was here last week and he talked about his grandson. Nah. My granddaughter blows his grandson away. (laughs) Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to what? Repentance. Repentance. To this end of the world is going to be me spending eternity with Jesus. That's what it's going to mean. Now, whether it happens through persecution and I get beheaded, or it happens through some idiot with his finger on the button that blows up the world. Notice I said his. And then, you know, uh, you know whatever it is, you have an end of the world. Your end of the world is coming. And so is mine. And in God's economy, we got about, at least I got about 40 minutes left. What am I going to do with that 40 minutes? He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It is coming. So on the one hand, I've got my scoffer part of my personality. We've seen all this before. I saw Y2K, blah, blah, blah. And on the other side, I'm like, oh, man, this could be tomorrow. (laughs) Like I could literally have Jesus rapture me tomorrow, or if I have to go through the tribulation, I really hope it's pre-trib. I don't know. Again, I'm talking to Christians right now. If you're like, pre-trib, what's that? We've been arguing over it for centuries, so don't worry about it, but that's the point, is that I'm going to, either way, I'm going to be with Jesus. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. In other words, everything we see and hear, the way our context of where it is now, and the way our countries set up and the way all the other countries are set up they're going to disappear with a roar the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare that's the end of the world watch what he says since everything will be destroyed in this way in other words he's teed it up it's coming We don't know if it's going to be nuclear war. We don't know if it's going to be drone swarms, which would be cool to watch, but whatever. We don't know what it is, what's going to happen. We could get hit by an asteroid. You know, the Revelation, it's like there's an asteroid in there. Wormwood is what it's called, and that would just just blow up the earth. Maybe, Maybe it's that. I don't even know, but he 
ask this question. And this is the question as Chantel comes back up. This is the question we're going to answer over the next weeks. You're like, oh, man, I sat through this whole thing and you don't have an answer for me? I have four answers and they're coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Here's the question. Since everything will be destroyed in this way or you will be destroyed in this way at the end of your 1.92 hours, for the end of the world's coming for all of us, okay? What kind of people ought you to be? This is the burning question in Peter's mind in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This is the burning question of the Bible. This is the burning question of the New Testament. This is the burning question of Jesus. It's coming. What kind of people ought you to be? And in the coming weeks, we're going to talk exactly about what type of people ought we to be because as we begin as we began we're going to end the end of all things is near i'm going to pray for us and um chantelle's going to finish with one final song and um as aiden had talked about um the altar's open and so uh, we put pillows down if you want to come and kneel uh, nobody cares okay so if you're like oh i'd really like to kneel but they might think i'm Confessing some deep, dark sin, nobody cares. If that's what makes you feel comfortable, if that's what makes you get into a posture of submission before your Heavenly Father, then come up and kneel. If not, maybe you want to come up for prayer. As our pastors are over here praying for you and you just want to come up, they have oil if you need healing. They can anoint you with oil, which is basically just a representation of the Spirit of God on your life. But we take this time to reflect. Maybe during this time as you're reflecting, you come to the altar, you sit in your chair, and you go, God, what do you want me to do with the remaining, remaining half hour I have left on this earth in your time frame? What do you want me to do with my past? And how can I get that redeemed? Would you just redeem it? Would you just, from here on out, would you forgive me of my past sin and just... just become Lord of my life so that as I move forward, I would be the type of person that understands your kingdom economy. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that no matter what comes, we can handle it because you are with us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never leave us. And so, Lord, as we begin to talk about some of these things that could be scary, that could be uncertain, that could cause anxiety or whatever, Lord, would the peace of Jesus just come and fill this sanctuary, fill our lives as we take this message to those around us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right, good. Let me pray for those who are sick, and then I'll send us off with a blessing. Lord Jesus. Oh, we just, uh, we thank you for our bodies that you created and designed and um, to fight off sickness. And so, uh, Lord, we just ask uh, in some cases just for a miracle that there would just be healing that would just come right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And for others, uh, you, it's your will that they just work through that process in the body that you designed building the immune system and all those things. We pray for those things too. But Lord, we pray in the midst of all of it that you would be uh, the, their presence and their hope and their strength 
in this time. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his strength, in his joy, and in his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.